Thankfully, it wasn't recording that because if I if I had <laughs> oh you hadn't recorded yet no no the fifth oh, column. Column. why do you want to get subpoenaed or something column. I don't want to uh, in right. the in you're the right. uh, trial of fucking Twitter losers <laughs> Moynihan, Moynihan v Twitter losers there's a reason I'm, I know, like, I'm not on Twitter anymore like not much anymore it's like mm-hmm. I just can't these people are wasting their lives like watching them just get exercised about the stupidest things and brawl for hours and just like try to ruin people's lives. It's like, grow the fuck up. Yeah. Honestly, seriously, what are you doing? Are you, are you changing society by making sure that Ilya (laughs) Shapiro's first week, first month, first six months, if he even gets that at his new job are difficult. Does that make you feel good? Yeah, I, I think it does. Yeah, I, and that's the thing is, I think it does. <laughs> I think it like, does make them feel good, and they are they are changing the world and altering the culture in pernicious ways, um, as mm, opposed to the to the virtuous are. ways that they imagine. I think they are. I mean, I think that, really that it's know? yeah, for sure. I think both in the direction of more kind of censorious mobs on on the left that are interested in this, and more reactionary in some cases, but al- also censorious mobs on the right. Who believe at this point, in, in many instances, like I'll find that like uniformly across an entire publication, that things have gotten so bad that anything goes. We can no oh, yeah, longer yeah, be yeah. conservative. Is is a tweet I saw the other day? Like, in, if we're being conservative, we're essentially saying that we're willing to lose everything, <laughs> which 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 by by extension means we can do anything and abandon any principle. And lie continually in service of winning the war against our enemy, the left, who's trying to destroy everything, which, as I observed last Patreon, I believe, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a weird way to The biblical it. precept is, uh, is what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mm-hmm. Jesus and- said that. And I said that. So it's the same. <laughs> It's also a uh, a weird way of admitting defeat, which I think is another yes. undercurrent of a lot of the different things going That's on exactly here. Right, yeah. Yeah. Like you know, there's a, there's this whole denialism of uh, uh, on certain parts of the journalistic left um, that there are any COVID restrictions anymore. It's like, what are these people talking about? What are you? I mean, well, I yeah, I, you got that from somebody, right? I mean, I mean, who thinks, it, thinks it, you're somebody else? or not it's just hilarious uh i was i was once dm'd by someone who's not a patreon subscriber uh but is uh in in the uh, orbit who's like you know how dare you i thought we were friends i'm like what are you talking about because i'm usually not the guy and of course with you it's always matt walsh (laughs) i am almost almost Totally guaranteed that it was about Matt Walsh reacting to something that this person did um, and uh, never got uh, anything from it. And ever since then, uh, just been knives out. But no, Chris Hayes expressed something like this. Um, there was uh, Alex Perrine did a super douchey um, uh, post uh, 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 a little while ago. Um, people who live in Brooklyn, people who live in these blue states and have kids are like, you know, I don't know why all these people like, you know, Bill Maher are bitching about COVID restrictions because, you know, basically there aren't any. like. There aren't any. What are you talking about? And I think a function of that is um, that they recognize that um, people hate them <laughs> for, for for these and other reasons. Um, but also that so they kind of lost the argument even while winning the policy for a really long time that Americans now are totally, totally against. There was a poll just today, Monmouth 
poll, which who knows how to pronounce that. Um, here's the question. It's time. Do you agree with the following statement? It's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. Overall, 70% yeah. agree. <laughs> 28% disagree. Within you, the- yeah, but if you if you look on Twitter, they'll be like, wow, how did 78% of people be rushed? Maybe they're listening to Rogan. They're I think we have to shut down Absolutely, <laughs> These people listening have these wrong Rogan. opinions. Well, here's the thing that's that's crazy about it, and it's, it's to Camille's point about, you know, conservatives on uh, social media saying we have to abandon conservatism for the greater good because um, or for the greater project, which for the greater conservative project, I presume. Otherwise, I don't know what it is. And, you know, use unconservative and illiberal means. Now, on the other side of that, and you know, I've seen that, too. And on the other side of that, on the left, you have people constantly talking about democracy, not democracy being under threat. And so much so that you have to redistrict in gerrymandered district in New York that that honestly looks like a crescent. It's like it's just the weirdest thing. I, you know, if this was like 2004, it'd be somebody like Robert Spencer being like, I think it's Islamic. It's a crescent, a crescent from the Upper West Side, you know, to get, oh, you know, and then and then a little bit into Staten Island to eliminate the one Republican seat in the Park. city. It's, Park Slope and Staten Island are in the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park Slope and Staten Island. But it's like all that stuff. And then the things of like, we have to shut down conversation about this stuff for democracy. It's like, so everyone is doing this and you know what this is. And people are saying, well, you know, it's where we care about democracy. We care about winning back conservatism. These are revolutionary philosophies. This is what happens when people become revolutionary. Mm -hmm. If you go from Franco, you know, just pick one for the right. Just take Franco. You have to save the the republic has been taken over by communists, socialists, et cetera. We have to save the republic by being illiberal. And that will that means, you know, a military dictatorship. In in every one of these cases, what you're going to get is that de, you know, democracy rhetoric of the things that must be saved. It takes an mm. extra legal in some uh, senses yeah. way of saving it. Because if yeah. you want that back, we have to do the bad thing that they're doing and actually do it a little bit worse, but it's temporary. I promise you it's temporary. <laughs> Nothing has ever been temporary when it's revolutionary, right? Nobody ever sets you free after saying, we did it. Now it's time to walk away. Nobody ever. And so if you want to back up that kind of thing, it's like, no, no, no. It's just because of COVID. We're trying to, number one, save people's lives. That's why we don't want Joe Rogan on the air, which people are dying. So therefore we have to sort of, sort of put a <laughs> warning on it or all this madness. Or it's going to be undemocratic. We're not going to live in a democratic society anymore. We have to redraw these districts the way that we've just been accusing Republicans of doing it. By the way, everyone's been doing this for a very long time to get back to a democratic control, which therefore, by the way, it's in the name is democracy. If we control it, therefore, we'll lard the Supreme Court. We'll put more people on the court because we didn't win. We don't have enough people. So therefore, we'll add more until we get enough people. And if we if those become Republican judges, we'll add some more. And hopefully we'll get it at some point. And then that's democracy. But we're subverting democracy to save democracy. Mm. This kind of rhetoric is so wild. And now when you see conservatives doing it, it's saying, if we want to conserve conservatism, we can't use conservative means because we're just being beaten by the left, right? You know, the left says we're being beaten in the court and in Congress and they're going to get rolled in 2020 and they're going to maybe pick up a few seats but still not enough by redistricting but like think about this madness is it everybody's saying we have to do it this is kind of unique and free speech is the same way too is that we have to eliminate free speech did anyone see the um image from colorado university mm. of colorado campus colorado state no what's that there's a sign like a printed like professionally printed sign from the university i'll send it to you 
that uh, there was a free speech event on oh. campus, and it listed a series of numbers to call if you are hurt by the free speech event. Yeah. And I swear to God, this is a real thing, and it is totally bananas. And we're actually at that point where people who regularly kicked sand in the face of, of the authorities are now saying, why are you contradicting authorities when it comes to health, for instance? You know? I think they're going to start putting uh, uh, first aid tents next to the free speech events. I think in the future. In, <laughs> I got to send you the sign. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did say it. It reminds me of uh, uh, Moynihan. You've been to a bunch of the conventions. There's always like a fenced off protest area. Oh, that, I love that. Uh, that our friend uh, Tim Blair from Australia uh, uh, referred to in Boston, actually, as uh, the freedom cage. <laughs> freedom cage? Mate. I can't believe it. Get in there. Talk a little freedom. Um, the, the, in, uh, at, at my university, they, I don't know if they ever succeeded in this, but at the time it was actually considered outrageous. It was, uh, the free speech zone. Yeah. <laughs> Those to which the, the response was always America yeah. is the free speech zone. <laughs> <laughs> once upon a time, once upon a time when white supremacy reigned supreme, America was the free speech zone. Oh, yeah. But we know that free speech only empowers whiteness. That is, it emboldens whiteness. And white supremacy never sleeps, <laughs> never rests. There's nothing we can do. What can we do? Do you think white supremacy ever sounds like these people and just says, oh, I'm exhausted? <laughs> no. Because I never sleep. No, I no, never white, rest. It's white, white supremacy is so powerful. It's, it just... <laughs> Where the fuck oh, is the sign? I, can't, I thought he took a screenshot of it. Um, oh, I misspelled Colorado because... <laughs> wow. Um, You're fu- no, I wrote, Col- I, lo- I wrote Colorado... <laughs> Which actually is a better name. You should, if you live there, your, you that actually is. It. Your shitty ass hobo tires stuck in the driveway snow and something you can't even spell. No, I was so mad. I was like trying to get to do the podcast and I'm fucking literally spinning my wheels in the, in the driveway of my neighbors. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Well, um, here, yeah. if, like, let me read the top of this sign. Okay. And again, this is a professionally printed sign. If you, parenthetical, or someone you know are affected by a free speech event on campus, Different color, bolder. Yeah. Here are some resources. O- Office of Equal Opportunity, um, Ombuds. Oh, say, oh my God, they don't even say Ombudsman. They say Ombuds. Oh, I know that. Wow, don't gender it. Yeah. Wow, I don't want to gender that Swedish word, um, <laughs> which is what it is. Employee Assistance, Victims Assistance Hotline. Oh. Who the fuck is, do you think all of these numbers go to one person? Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah, Dave in accounting. He's getting credit. After you just got out of prison. <laughs> just smoking bowls, taking yeah, yeah. calls. <laughs> He's doing one hitters and somebody's like, I'm so hurt. There's a He's, free speech event. He spins the wheel supremacy. like uh spins the wheel like Elvis Costello at a concert to say, uh equal opportunity line. Yeah, uh, yeah. Suicide radio, radio. prevention. Dean you can call the Dean of Students Vice President of Inclusive Excellence. <laughs> Hold on, that's, fucking is that losers. A typo? Is that a typo? Wait the, a minute. The, literally, Vice the institute. Yes. Vice president of what? Inclusive, Inclusive ex- excellence. excellence. That has some Google questions. That. It has some numbers. Should I call them? <laughs> <laughs> only, only if you had your phone like hooked up to well, the thing, we could call yeah, them directly. I could, fi- I could figure. Wow, that, that is a thing. That is a legitimate yeah. title. Vice president. Yeah, Vice president. Excellence. Wait, why can't you call the president? <laughs> So is it? <laughs> Why do you have to I call want, it Kamala Harris? But of, I just want uh, inclusive <laughs> adequacy. What is this discrimination against, like people who are adequate or subpar? Well, I gotta, Don't we expect not, them to be subpar in some respects after white supremacy has degraded sure. them? What, is what it, on is, earth is this? Is it that the excellence is inclusive, 
or that yes. the inclusiveness is excellent. It's excellent. It's a tough <laughs> I mean, you gotta, <laughs> only a white man would look for the distinction there. Only a white man doesn't understand. I'm so tired. I can't explain Racist. that to I'm you, Matt Welch. So exhausted by talking to fucking Stephen Van Zant on this. <laughs> by the way, he's got a big he's got a big uh, headband on again. Yeah. Um, no, you can't tell from half this shit because they don't. They forgot about teaching people how to write because it's all just how to like where you should cry. I'm going to find a place for you in the fucking mountains to cry in Colorado. Because someone, someone said something that you disagree with, you fucking loser. Well, something, some, some good news, or at least kind of good news. Actually, I think it's good news. But mm-hmm. in, the way in which it's good news is somewhat weird and a testament uh-huh. to just how bizarre the moment is that we find ourselves in. But I'll, I'll say it in this way, because Damon Linker, uh, who is at The Week, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah James um, is a great guy. He, he tweets. We have him on. He'll, Ilya Shapiro. I, I like that idea. Let's do that. Yeah, Ilya Shapiro plays on it. Oh, is that right? In Newsweek, yeah. Oh. Well, good here's news. his tweet. Ilya Shapiro placed on administrative leave at Georgetown Law just a short time after they hired him pending the outcome of an investigation of views he has long held and expressed publicly. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds weird. And the way that he phrased it, I think, underscores the bizarreness of the entire circumstance. Exactly, but if, yeah. unless you've been living under a rock... Um, or you just aren't on Twitter. Again, either one of those things is just Thank fine. God. You're listening to this podcast. You're paying for the Patreon. You're a good American, and we love and care about you. And I don't care if you live in Switzerland or whatever else. You're a good American. Yeah. I said so. Yeah. Um, Sean Hannity gave me the authority to just endow people with American goodness. So and if any of this offends you, I'm going to give you Camille's number. And yeah, he's the, yeah, that's uh, right. Vice president yeah. of uh, exclusionary excellence. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I will hang up on you promptly. I'll utter your favorite slur and hang up promptly. Um, but uh, my, Ilya Shapiro, a gentleman who is a libertarian constitutional scholar with a mm-hmm. long affiliation with the Cato Institute, was recently hired by George town law to take on some you know prestigious position that is the kind of position you kind of work a long time and hope to get so when he announced it i saw you know a lot of plaudits and i may have even liked the tweet but i'm not sure i did because the two of us we know each other but we're only so close i know him to be a guy who's kind of gregarious and funny um and occasionally can put up a, a tweet that can be a little provocative and he did that the other day he tweeted something about President Joe Biden's declaration that whoever he nominated for the Supreme Court would have a smooth brown vagina, that that was that was the litmus <laughs> test. He was going to he was going to personally investigate no. and ensure that whoever with the whoever is being, <laughs> whoever's being whoever's being invested with the power of mm-hmm. this of being a Supreme Court judge, that they would have. The, the the tools necessary to succeed in that job mm-hmm. and also a smooth brown vagina. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems that some Americans and I'd say a majority of Americans find this a little weird. And Ilya tweeted something uh, rather late in the evening and perhaps not really as composed as he might have ordinarily been that yeah. was misconstrued by some or perhaps inelegantly worded and misconstrued by some to be a statement that suggested that black women are overall inferior when what he in fact says is something very different. He says that there is a candidate who is objectively the best candidate for this job. And this person can't get the job because Joe Biden has embraced embraced a principle that demands 
people be disqualified from the position if they have the wrong phenotypic traits or if their genitalia are shaped in the wrong way. That is the principle being applied here. Now, Joe Biden is imposing this principle because he believes that the Supreme Court bench is insufficiently diverse in one specific, narrow kind of sense of the word, in the sense of phenotypic traits. Now, granted, there are lots of different kinds of people on the Supreme Court, but whatever. There wasn't someone with a smooth black vagina, and Joe Biden is going to remedy that problem so that America can finally be a more perfect union. Um, I, I, I yeah. might even concur with that. Maybe we should have all of the justices perform their duties naked. That way, mm-hmm. we can see all of their differences and be reminded of what makes us all unique and distinct from one another. But I digress. Um, <laughs> Do you know Ilya, how bad Ilya. I wanted to make a joke that I it would inevitably have to cut? Oh, I just, I just, oh dear. Yeah. Maybe you should make it anyways. Yeah. Something about, some about a Coke can? I thought about that, but I was just actually going to say <laughs> oh, no. Justice Breyer. <laughs> you don't have to cut that. That's just true. Everybody heard about Jumbo. Kids, kids we know. This podcast. <laughs> we know. Way, just, just add add to that. Um, not what I just said, but just add to that. I just want people to wait. I'm going to read this guy a sentence here. This came uh-huh. out about an hour ago. Uh-huh. Just when people think that, you know, okay, he's. It was a kind of clumsily worded tweet, but right. even if that it turned it turned into a broad, like days long campaign, to, yeah, against them to to denigrate him, that smear was, him as a racist, and that was started. Sure, I, w- I want to I want to underline that this was started by a writer for Slate named Mark Joseph Stern. Who, I, I, uh, I'm not sure if he was the first person to tweet it. Do, do you know that? Uh, he was I, the one who popped that was the one that took off. Yeah, absolutely took off, and he referred to you know, he, he basically. And I don't have it in front of me. It's like uh, it's absolutely disgusting. As as a uh, as an alum uh, from Georgetown Law, I'm ashamed uh, that they have hired this this uh, you know well known racist troll. And that's a, a pretty accurate paraphrase of it. Um, and uh, and it which is just a a very shameful. What are you doing in journalism? type of uh maneuver so mm-hmm. uh, we got we got to we got to say his name go on yeah say his name say his name <laughs> <laughs> say uh, his name yes he's been he's been oppressed um well the thing that i wanted to add to this quickly is that if if it were phrased in a way that was acceptable to those uh political enemies uh former colleagues other people who were piling on him um it's it still would have been quote unquote controversial. He still would have been attacked for it, right? Because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of this around, and I just want you to know. So when you go onto the Twitter device and you see all these people talking about this, trying to find the next victim to tear apart and to whose career to ruin, um, this is an ABC News Ipsos poll that came out, as far as I can tell, about an hour or two ago, um, or maybe this just this piece is from an hour or two ago. The ABC News Ipsos poll found that seventy six percent of Americans. 76% of Americans, by the yeah. way, and a majority of uh, Democrats too, believe Biden should consider all possible nominees for the Supreme Court rather than honoring his pledge by only considering black women for the nomination. That's literally what the, the, the uh, question was. Should How racist he, is America? Should he consider all <laughs> or honor his pledge, which by the way is a bit, is a bit thumbing the scale a bit, like, cause it's just like you're saying, like, 
He made the pledge. He should honor it. Right. Maybe he's right. honor the pledge. And yeah. it's still 76% saying, if you, nah, if you're pledge is segregation now, segregation yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> honor your pledge, sir. Yeah. yeah. Will you not I honor your pledge? A dream to segregate <laughs> these motherfuckers. Yeah. It is like so bizarre that when you do it and you push it that, that way of saying like, he wants to honor his pledge. Everybody's yeah. still like, nah, no, I don't like to, that. You have it to applaud hits his people the wrong way. <laughs> and there's That's there amazing. aren't many 75% issues in the country. No, this is true. Um, no, we've, this we've, is we've true. hit we've hit two of them already in this uh, episode or what w- close to it the, with the covid restrictions um and it's very interesting where it is a lopsided majority in general certainly among uh, uh republicans certainly among independents and the democrats are kind of split. Um mm. and then the twitter leading edge of very online democrats they're kind of all or mostly in that little 25% rump and mm. they feel weird about it and they're lashing out at people and trying to portray um the, everyone who is opposed to to them on this question or other similar questions whether it's Joe Rogan or someone else Joe Rogan who Nicole Hannah Jones uh, implied that all of his listeners are a are racist she implied that that he that he and um his listeners were racist and that her colleague a colleague of hers is also on the show yeah. Is also uh, uh, at least fine with racism. He likes it. He's indifferent to the racism of of Joe Rogan. Not not which to is get just completely absurd. Not to get totally derailed by this, but just the point about that. When I saw that tweet, yeah. you realize how there these people have the brand virus. They're totally infected by it. They're totally overwhelmed by this thing that everything must be an issue of quote unquote racial justice. This conversation was about COVID. It was about the people who came on to his show talking about COVID policy, one mm-hmm. of whom, the most controversial one, was actually one of the founders of the – or the discoverers or the, 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 um, uh, of the mRNA uh, vaccines um, or an early proponent. I don't know the exact, exact – exact Some, of the, Some of the technology that was used. Behind in, it. So, yeah, uh, the he, point he being certainly is contributed, contributed The point being it. is it's not Tim Pool. You know, it's just, it's not a guy in a beanie. It's, right. it's like an actual science. It's not, Watch or, or at least it's not just Tim Pool. <laughs> well, oh, that's right. He might be on, I don't know. I don't pay he's, attention. He's been on before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> he may have even talked about COVID. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I mean, what else is there to talk about fucking three years into this or however long it's been? I think it might be seven years at this point. But that is the most hilarious thing is that the instinct, she sees a controversy. Oh, controversy, Rogan. I'm going to tweet right. about this. Right. And it becomes like about white supremacy. He's like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. No, no, but it's probably racist. It's like, no, 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 that's not, <laughs> literally no one is accusing him of that. Nobody. I don't, I don't think like anyone is accusing. I don't, maybe they have and said some guest in the past, but you can do that with, you know, guests on the New York Times FX show or something. Yeah. You know, that Steve Bannon. It's, a, I think it's actually a, just a, a, a simmering transitive property thing. Right. A, a friend of mine, um, uh, who, you know, who's a huge Howard Stern fan, um, what is like it wants Neil Young to play at the Super Bowl in order to honor his great, you know, heroic thing of saying either me or Joe Rogan to Spotify. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, was, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, said something to the effect on, on Twitter, like, well, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, actually, I had retwe- I had retweeted the former New York Times guest Matt Rosenberg his uh, 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 tweet about this, and mm-hmm. he came back to me like, "Well, uh, you know, instead of rethinking about how journalism should approach itself and why Rogan is popular and journalism isn't, um, uh, actually, this is just explainable because seventy six million or seventy four million people uh, voted for Trump, 
and what it's back. <laughs> I mean, it's, so it's Chicken, just like meat egg. So <laughs> Joe Rogan exists and is popular. Uh, we don't like him. We don't like Trump. Ergo, Joe Rogan and that whole ecosystem must just be racist. And so that's great. We don't have it's to crazy. think. Yeah, Do you know what anyone. you know what makes life uh, very difficult to live these days is that when you don't have a team, right? When you're not rooting for Republicans or rooting for Democrats or progressives or conservatives or whatever, you just constantly want to leap off, you know, the the top of a bridge because you cannot imagine that people can live their lives this way where every second they are in, engaged in some mind-numbing dizzying, like wretch inducing contradiction. So for instance, Neil Young is a good example. And I think Mike Pesca pointed this out. I was going to point this out too, because there's an old piece that I found about Neil Young's um, complete hatred of the science of scientific evidence, like long established, not like, Oh my God, this is a pandemic. We're new to this. Let's figure it out as we go. Cloth mask, no cloth mask, you know, Um, this kind of thing, you know, developing. So um, as Rogan, I think pointed out in the video that he made on Instagram, which is you know, great. The stuff that people have been kicked off uh, Twitter and kicked off YouTube for um, are, are, are policies and scientific points, quote unquote, that have been reversed uh, since since um, I don't know if people have been reinstated when the, the CDC reversed some of their positions on things like masking, et cetera. But the funny thing about about Neil Young is that uh, he loves science, man, and he loves uh, he loves the truth. And you're just trying to kill people. It's like you do realize that he made a whole record about how GMO food is killing people when yep. it was in fact saving millions of lives. If you want to talk about millions of people dying, well, take golden rice. I mean, if Neil Young had his way, that would not have ever been a thing because of Neil Young's ideas about science, which are what you would expect from a half witted Canadian like Neil Young <laughs> is, you know, do I love the first like three or four Neil Young records? I do. Do you know what predates this Neil Young controversy? Matt and I on the Patreon talking about how his new record is the most embarrassing <laughs> thing we've ever heard and it's but fucking no. garbage and it has but, nothing to do with his stupid <laughs> opinions about, about, uh, about Joe Rogan. But my favorite thing about this quote unquote debate, which is, you know, it's really, uh, uh, doing violence to the word debate when we say what's happening with Neil Young and Joe Rogan is a debate. Um, Joe, Joe Rogan, who of course addressed this and, you know, I have some problems with his, some of his opinions, but that's life. That's what we do. We have a, that's why we have a podcast. We have problems with people's opinions and we talk about them and we'd like to have them on the show. And if we could get Joe Rogan on the show, we would, but we can't, right? He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, but the thing about this that I think is really funny is all of the headlines saying, cause they love framing it to, to put, the onus on the big company like Spotify, which is full of evil people who are propagating evil messages. In the, in, in, and trust me, you can go find this right now. There's, there was dozens of them. Spotify, uh, in the fight, they choose, uh, they choose Rogan. Are you, how fucking <laughs> stupid are these people? They have a contract with Joe Rogan. Neil Young has a bunch of old records that are on there and he's like, I'm taking them with me. And they're like, okay, they have no, co- like, that's not how it works. It's not like they get in there, like, everybody vote. Who are we going to go with? Like, this is how these people think about the world. They're like, oh, they're on the side. The big company's on the side of Joe Rogan. They're on the side of Neil Young and how much he hates uh, GMOs. <laughs> like, I mean, what is wrong with everyone? This is insane. This is like, nobody even has the b- basic facts of this stuff right, that you cannot choose to not go with, quote unquote, Joe Rogan. I suppose you could fire and break your contract. It'll cost you $110 million. That's a good it, it'd, it'd probably be worse than that. It would it would probably herald the further destruction of that company. 
Mm. Like this is this is yeah. the same company that during the Reply All scandal, Reply All then the most popular podcast on the Gimlet network at the time that company was acquired, responsible for most of the value in Gimlet when Spotify paid a ridiculous sum of money to acquire it, mm-hmm. destroyed itself. It imploded over a racial justice scandal, similar, like, similar like to, to this right? one. Yeah, completely ridiculous. Total implosion. By choice, really. Um, mm-hmm. That they should then serve to do it again. Having cut off both hands, now cut off both feet, by getting rid of the most popular podcast on your network, a program you've just paid an extraordinary sum of money to have an exclusive for, you'll undermine yourselves by breaking your contract in order to satisfy <laughs> Neil Young and a universe of other people and who, are, Mitchell, who, who are selectively, selectively outraged <laughs> while, while ignoring, ignoring the fact. And, and this, is, this is attributable to a friend of the podcast who should be a patron and should hear this, um, but I don't want to name him. Um, but uh, like... Oprah Winfrey has a podcast on the Spotify network. Oprah Winfrey is the original Joe Rogan who used to have Jenny McCarthy on her television show. Oh, yeah. Talking about vaccines and how they're bad and how they're giving kids autism. And Oprah sat beside Jenny McCarthy and Oprah didn't scrutinize her. No, she She celebrated her. her. She She applauded her her bravery. Uh, This is this is where Jenny McCarthy talked about going to the University of Google. Yeah, she learned all about the dangers of vaccines. She was liberated from the secret. She was, in fact, red pilled about vaccines. And Oprah applauded her and talked about this brave new world of information where you can learn things on your own independently, reach conclusions, and speak truth to power on the Oprah Winfrey show and promote dangerous, scientifically ridiculous, unmoored from reality. Bullshit. Conspiracy theories. About vaccines. (laughs) Literally about vaccines. The same thing. (laughs) The same shit. She's never had to apologize. She's been celebrated and lionized. We just pretend that this has never happened. And we also pretend that your stupid uncle the one who's kind of an asshole and a jerk most of the time that he would somehow not be any of those things. If Joe Rogan was never born, all those Canadian truckers, (laughs) it's absurd. All the people in Belgium, French translations of Joe Rogan, all the people in Austria protesting vaccine mandates, (laughs) German translations of Joe Rogan. It's amazing all over the world. They're listening to Joe Rogan because I found the enemy in the enemy is an MMA uh, announcer, <laughs> former host of Fear Factor, and, and sometimes comedian, and sometimes I like, comedian. I mean, I like, like how uh, James Surowiecki, <laughs> um, financial journalist for the New Yorker, who in the past has written some smart things, and in the present has not been the world's greatest commenter on uh, COVID-related things on Twitter. Um, this morning, he had a very deep thought about how you know the. The, and he was linking to Rogan's little Instagram video. And he's like, you know what? One of the difficult things about Rogan is that, you know, he has these really long conversations um, and interviews where he sort of lets people talk. And, and he, uh, and he uh, uh, you know, he, he says up front that he doesn't know all the answers and that he thinks this is an interesting way to go. And, and so in that format, it's pretty difficult to, you know, be really carefully fact check in real time, uh, you know, in, in like a professional way. And it's like, wow, dude. I got this. So there's this thing you might want to check out. It's on. It's uh, in your car. Uh, you you turn it on, and huh. there's people people who who talk, and what oftentimes that, it's they talk about <laughs> politics. What fucking talk radio, cable news, all oh. this shit has been around, including and <laughs> including NPR for for crying out loud, which is a font of misinformation about COVID and about other things as well on a daily basis. Where those vaunted you know lightning quick fact checks are 
inconsistently applied, let's say, but it's this, this thing that's happened. It's happened since I've first started covering new media in 1998 is like, as soon as something is halfway new, which, which basically means the New York times discovers it six years after it exists. Um, uh, people are like, uh, everything has changed because of this thing. Like we're going to apply. Remember like when uh, Uber and, and Lyft and everyone uh, first came up like ride sharing and stuff, mm-hmm. they're like, um, my God, there was one sexual assault in the five trillion rides yesterday in Uber. And that's a terrible thing, but it's just like, because Uber was new, People were like, it's a, it's a rape machine. That's what this company is. <laughs> and there's no comparison data to, in fact, we might have even talked about this yeah, five years did. ago. And, and the other thing uh, is versus taxis and shit. Yeah. yeah well, the, it's the taxi thing is this, the second there was protests of people who had paid absurd amounts for medallions, um, or even renting medallions and getting in debt. And actually, the New York Times is a good story about that. That of actually who was who was kind of pushing this more than anyone, and it was not uh, it was not the usual bad guys. But the funny thing about that was that when those were the when there was a victim in the story, when it was recent immigrants that were you know part of the government approved taxi cartel, and they were they were being sort of upset. The Apple Cart was being upset by these Silicon Valley dude bros, tech bros. That created that dynamic. You want to then, I mean, if that company was doing something else and was inventing a new product where there was no other person um, competing to begin with, you'd have a you'd have a different a different response to this stuff. And you know, to, to the idea of like you know, we we can't fact this fact check this stuff in real time. Yeah, you know that's true of every interview. Because you have to be an expert in literally every subject. If you're going to do an hour interview with somebody and not let them get away with anything, that's what your fucking job is. You're on Twitter. You're a pundit. What do pundits do? They <laughs> look at existing interviews and comment on them. You know what? It's not my problem that no one fucking listens to you. Who cares about your so-called <laughs> corrections? And people listen to Joe Rogan and are like, yeah, that was fun. That was interesting. But the thing about this all is that, is that it, it presumes that everybody who listens to that show, number one, you know, just by osmosis, because they're so fucking stupid, and anything that goes through the airwaves penetrates their skull, and then like a barnacle just attaches, and that's what they believe from 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 here on out. They cannot, their minds cannot be changed. And w- so is that true that when um, when when our, our friend Josh Zepps is on and kind of beats Rogan up a little bit, people heard that? They heard Rogan say, oh, okay, kind I guess of, I was wrong of. about come that. Back and then he tweets about it uh, and says, yeah, well, if I want to get schooled by somebody, I want to get schooled by, by the great Josh Zepps. Like, how does that factor in? Like, how do you, because I think what, the reason this debate, and again, doing violence to the word debate, is happening is because they've elevated it to a place that if this information gets out there, you know, this is why we have to stop it. And we have to stop Donald Trump because democracy is at stake. That's the one poll. The other poll is human lives are at stake. You can't take, you have to take this stuff very seriously. The end of democracy and, or people are going to die, right? That's, that's why you can't even allow this debate. Otherwise, you're going to be a scold, right? You're going to be like a, somebody who hates free speech, hates the, the exchange of ideas. So you have to frame it this way. People are going to die. What is the limit? And I ask you guys this. What is the limit? of quote unquote misinformation stuff that is that is either demonstrably not true or wrong in emphasis because that's what they're talking about with Rogan they're they're no one saying here's a quote here's a thing that he said it's the emphasis the people that he has on etc he does have people that disagree with him on he has other you know at the beginning of the pandemic he had like Michael what's his name is Osterholm who's like a real yeah. covid hawk and that was like the first guy on talking about it and as things changed he he sort of changed uh, Rogan and changed approaches but here's a question 
if you go onto Spotify, I guarantee you can find a podcast that is going to give you a lot of misinformation about, as Camille pointed out before, uh, the interactions between black men specifically and police. Right? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. Because if you ask people, we should have a crisis, right? You ask people in polls, <laughs> how many people are shot by the police unarmed? How many black men, how many black people are shot? I mean, the, the numbers you hear are crazy, right? It's c- totally unmoored from reality because people tend not to highlight that. They tend to highlight the one or the two or the three or the big cases. So if that stuff is actually being propagated on Spotify, at what point do we say that that's actually having a really, really bad effect? Well, no, it is having a, a what I would consider, and I think both of you guys would consider a negative effect, but it's changing society in a way that they like. So it's not misinformation at all. Nobody gives a fuck about misinformation. Please stop saying this. It is information they don't like and they might not agree with, right? And, and sends the culture, sends the political debate in a different direction. Is that always true information? No, you're right. It's some of it's kind of bullshit. And it's your job as somebody who is a pundit to not whine about Joe Rogan, but to get your ideas out there, But because you can't, because you're not as good as him, and you're mad about that. You're mad that you don't have an audience that he has. And you always have mm-hmm. to point out that he's an MMA guy, and he's a dope, and he's this guy, and he's a stupid guy. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. As, as Comrade Rosenberg from the New York Times said, why do they like him more than they, li- they like us? I have some answer to that. And we have... Mm-hmm probably 500 episodes of this podcast can help answer that question. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did want to, to enter into the record, this, this sniveling weird statement that we got out of Georgetown in response to yeah. Ilya's situation, which brings us to where we are today, which is a circumstance where it's not quite total victory um, yeah. and not even quite certain what will happen here. But, you know, on Friday of last week, Two days, essentially, after this scandal um, was was initially ignited, this whole thing fo- was following a predictable trajectory. First, someone surfaces the bad thing that you says and paints it in the worst possible light and suggests pretty directly, but not explicitly, that you ought to be fucking fired. <laughs> um, then, then within 24 hours, the the archaeology of the internet begins. And people oh, yeah. start to surface all manner of things that are kind of tangentially related to the original imagined defense. And yeah. that's the stuff that they start to sling at you. It's obvious racism. How can anyone deny it? Oh, my God. Look at these conservatives supporting a white supremacist. This is what always happens. We need to do something. And then you start to get the students group, student groups on campus who are screaming for the bad thing. And this is happening on Friday. And for a university – from a media standpoint, give you a little bit of a view underneath the kimono here. Like there, it's in their interest to summarily dismiss their their staffers on a Friday, and to have the press cycle kind of bury all of the bad news. In this case, they didn't do that on Friday. We didn't get anything until after the weekend, early Monday morning. There's a statement from the university, and Moynihan, I think you have the text of it over there. Could you yeah, perhaps give you us a, imagine, a selection? Did you from Matt, it? did you send this to me? I was looking for. I emailed it to oh, you. Emailed it to me. Oh, oh come on, Matt! So, uh, the emails. Emails, kind of. Okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> um, computer messing up the rhythm of, yeah, our, of yeah, my whole exactly. thing. I want I wanted Moynihan to launch into the reading right after you I finished my beautiful soliloquy. I would have ah, had. Yeah. Okay, this is from <laughs> Bill Trainer, uh, <laughs> Dean yes. of Georgetown Law. Yes. Um, the brave, courageous yes. defender of free speech. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, notorious law. Bill Trainer. Everyone <laughs> loves Bill Trainer. Uh, dear members of the Georgetown Law community, over the past several days, I've heard the pain 
and outrage of so many at Georgetown Law, and particularly from our black female students, staff, alumni, and faculty. All the same, by the way, they all have the same opinions. Ilya Shapiro's tweets are antithetical to the work that we do here every day to build inclusion, belonging, belonging, and respect for diversity. Do you learn anything about the law? Or is that just, is that all you do? I have heard and listened to a wide range of views, meaning just angry students. And I'm grateful to the many members of the community who have reached out to me and other leaders at the school to share their thoughts. Now, that is the first paragraph. And is that, that is what in journalism we call blather. It is absolutely says nothing, but it's, it's leading up to something bad, right? I'm here for you. I'm here. That's my job as the dean, is to be here for you. I'm writing to inform you that I have placed Ilya Shapiro, Shapiro on administrative leave, pending an investigation into whether he violated our policies and, and expectations on professional conduct. That's a bit squishy, though, isn't it? Non-discrimination and anti-harassment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the law school at Georgetown says if you disagree with somebody, it could constitute harassment. Wow. In a there tweet. Was, in a tweet. The, which was like misunderstood. He's like, no, that's what I meant. Uh, the results of which will inform our next steps. Motherfuckers, you guys at law school, try to fire him. Try to fire him. Good <laughs> luck. Pending the outcome of the investigation, he will remain on leave and not be on campus. I mean, you don't want George Wallace running around campus now, do you? This investigation will follow the procedures established by Georgetown University. Blather, blather, blather. Now, final paragraph. You ready for this? This one is going to, you're going to really understand what's happening right now. Racial stereotypes about individual capabilities and qualifications remain a pernicious force in our society and our profession. I'm keenly aware that our law school is not exempt. I know we hired this racist. We will continue our work with students, staff, alumni, and faculty to put, play, put in place strategies, policies, and practices to strengthen our community, make sure no one ever tweets again of something we disagree with, and our <laughs> commitment to justice and equality for all. And it was a tweet. I remain committed to working with <laughs> each of you, each of you, to create a community where we can all thrive. I'll tell you what. I couldn't go to school there. And the reason I couldn't is not because I disagree with this policy, but I could not thrive at that school <laughs> after reading that tweet. That tweet, which I kind of get what he meant, and I know he wasn't being a racist, but Jesus Christ, I, how could I thrive in an environment where somebody has an opinion that clashes with my own? Good Lord. I'm very upset about this. <laughs> so, so it sounds like I'm really hiring... annoyed today, by the way, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's appro appropriately in some respects, but it sounds like they're hiring uh, an outside investigator to to look at into this these allegations. Is that is that what the statement says? That Lana? seems to be what they're yeah. saying. Yeah, okay. and and I'll tell you what we um, the law firm of Moynihan, Welch, and Foster will take <laughs> all of your claims. Anytime somebody tweets something bad, you can pay us six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, and we can look at it and be like, that was pretty bad, you know. And I think that you should have some training. You usually just have to, you usually have to have training because you know to train people to be normal mm -hmm. citizens. That's what you need. Training. Barry Weiss had a great piece that came out I think last night uh, about this, in which she unearthed a um, uh, a tweet from a Georgetown a law professor, uh, not a law professor, but a professor of something or other, um, during the Kavanaugh trial. Uh, in which, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's the spirit of it. Um, uh, in which the uh, professor. Uh, wished that the people supporting Kavanaugh would have their uh, entrails fed to pigs. I think yeah. was the was the concept. And um, Seems okay back at that 
back at that time, that produced outrage by highly hepped up uh, uh, Republicans and conservatives and others like, my God, can you believe this? And if I'm not mistaken, also FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Education, uh, w- with our friend uh, Greg Lukianoff and others from there, um, stepped in in that case and said this is academic freedom. The woman, uh, I believe, did not apologize for saying that Republicans should be fed to pigs, mm. <laughs> which is a little bit different than saying using the phrase lesser black woman, uh, women uh, or woman, I think, uh, in a tweet in which you're comparing uh, uh, to uh, uh, another candidate, a minority candidate who you said is better. Um, that's, the, if you think this is the ideal candidate, everyone is going to be lesser. Um, but uh, Ilya Shapiro immediately pulls it down, immediately apologizes to everyone who, who can hear, uh, is immediately on his heels. Um, and uh, not unlike uh, Neil Young after the initial uh, bad press or press that he got with Spotify, insisting, no, I'm not trying to get anyone uh, deplatformed here. Why? Me or me or Rogan? What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. um, Mark Stern said, no, I don't want him to get fired. I was just pointing out that he's a trashy racist troll with a long history of awfulness and that Georgetown should maybe wait a little bit before figuring out next steps. Um, no, it's imbalance. And that was Barry's fundamental point. Uh, it's basically the, the the imbalance is so screamingly obvious to people of good faith who just look at it. Um, if you don't want to have good faith, if you, if you assume that Ilya Shapiro is waking up in the morning being, he does have sharp elbows, but being a racist troll that he exists to prop up these racist structures. Um, well, you know what? That is your belief system and you're fucking crazy. Mm. You're fucking wrong. You're fucking crazy, right? Like, there's just no excuse for it. There would be a paper trail. He's been public, publicly commenting on and writing amicus briefs and being the public face or one of the public faces of Cato's Law Center for 20 years. But we would have evidence. Matt. You saw that there are people that said he he disagreed with uh, with certain uh, previous Supreme Court uh, picks one and agreed with I others. Saw, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he uh, um, because he characterized. Um, I believe it was uh, what's her face, the new uh, the new lady with the seventeen babies on the court. Um, Who's you know that? what I'm talking about? Octomom. Um, Octomom. <laughs> I mean, Supreme Court Justice Octomom. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I've read a couple Amy, of her law review articles that are pretty good. I don't know what she's on court. Amy, a, court Amy, Cone, oh, Amy yeah. Coney Barrett. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he, he <laughs> court. He praised her as uh, yeah. he praised her as being intellectual, whereas uh, he was more dismissive of Sonia Sotomayor's pre-existing intellectual reputation, and this was seen by. Uh, people, including people who used to work with him at Cato, as being, ah, see, see, um, here's the thing also for people like that. That's, you need more for a C. Um, and also you should be reading people who write long essays in which they start with a bunch of throat clearing about how they're not racists and, and that they're left leaning and they're good progressives and everything like that who know about legal reputations in Washington, they will also say that Sonia Sotomayor, who I think has actually been a decent justice on some civil libertarian issues. Can um, you say you know, wise but, Latina justice, please? I Thank did you. not. And I will not. Um, <laughs> she didn't have a huge like intellectual rep, nor did Brett Kavanaugh. You know who did? Neil Gorsuch and Amy Coney. It's almost as if individuals, regardless of what fucking category they came from, have different intellectual reputations in law circles so and law circles. I swear to God. Unbelievable. You don't understand <laughs> when people are agents of white supremacy. You believe they create these uh, diversions, Matt. And then when they're spotted, you go and you flag for these people. I think it's disgusting. 
You are a disgrace to the law profession. And I know you're not in the law profession, but either way, you're disgraceful. But you know, this I know, is, <laughs> this I know is that so this crazy, all this shit. I know that we're supposed to to feel um, at least like you know, there's a possibility that that Ilya gets back in, and this is all just sort of like a uh, a throw him off the scent investigation. That's that's entirely plausible. Uh, I think a lot of damage is done, and I'm bummed out by it. I, I was uh, talking to another libertarian law professor who I won't name um, a few months back. Really, one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life, um, and a longtime friend. And, uh, and I saw, I was just asking, like, you know, checking in, been a while, um, at his prestigious law school and, uh, and he was just glum. He's just like, you know, I'm, I've got protection. Um, I've got tenure, I've got this thing, but I also know that I have the permanent, uh, enmity, if that's the right word, uh, of a huge bunch of my colleagues who, if I, if I take a misstep, they will just jump all over me. Why uh, is and- it, do you think? That so many people um, who talk to us, who listen to this podcast, who are not conservatives, they're not libertarians, um, I don't even know if they're left, I don't even know what they believe, who say to us, kind of sotto voce, love the pod, right? Why do you say this? Why, why can't you just say, like, I love the podcast in the same way that you say, I love the Yankees, or I love the Mariners, or I love the Angels, or something? Why? And the reason is, I mean, everyone knows the reason of this, is because it's been created. The, the, all of these, the individual people in these don't matter at all. The entire point of it is to create the climate in which having the wrong opinions is something you keep to yourself. And the only way you can cr- have those wrong opinions, particularly in the university, is to be tenured. And so people always say, well, I'm tenured so I can say. It's like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Imagine that sentence because you've gotten used to that sentence. And you shouldn't yeah. have to have and, – and tenure – the idea behind tenure was to protect people, particularly who had left-leaning ideas and that kind of, you know, uh, red-baiting era where communist teachers – it was a big deal in New York City, by the way. There's a book about this called Red Apple, which is fairly interesting and written from a left perspective. But that used to happen to teachers, obviously, you know, get, get drummed out for, for having, having left-wing opinions. And now the tables have turned and they said, we learned our lesson for that. Let's just turn it on the other side now. And instead of actually acknowledging that, the theme. people lie about it and say, that doesn't exist. The campus culture is, is not what you think it is. You're lying. When was the last time you were on campus? Um, you know, I haven't been in Ukraine and I have some opinions on that, but you know, you don't have to be on campus to notice, just talk to our friend, Greg Lukianoff, the second time I mentioned him. And, and he will say, you're insane if you think there's nothing happening on campus. But my, my question to the people in the law department, the people who have complained in law school, um, if that is the standard of evidence that you demand for a conviction, you should not be a lawyer. You should get out of the law profession. You should jump out of the law school and go to something that ends in studies, American studies, women's studies, whatever it might be. <laughs> studies, um, as an old professor once told me, anything that ends in studies is not going to be an entirely serious department. It's usually co- cobbled together from other departments. But the, the thing is, like, when you, if, you, if you believe that that's what you need to convict someone of being a racist, these are our future lawyers? Are you fucking kidding me? This is the whole point of law school. You know, it's always once, once every five years, you have to explain to people that defending a bad person doesn't mean that you are defending the ideas of the bad person, that people have a right to defense in, in a legal context. And that's what makes this country so great and interesting and stop being the person that says, well, you know, the conservatives used to do this to Hillary Clinton. You know, she, she defended 
the Panther is when she was uh, at Yale or something like that. I think it was always a Panther thing and the Panther 21 or something at Yale. And it's just a bad thing to do. So now we're at this place where it's like, okay, we've convicted him. We believe that he has, from this one tweet, that he is um, a tub-thumping racist. If you don't believe that, and I don't think any of you actually believe that. If you do, you're a fucking moron and should quit school right now and maybe go live on the moon because you're not going to make it in life if that's what you believe a racist is. But if you don't believe that, then you're actively saying that I cannot be taught something. I cannot be around the ideas of this person. I tell you something. Ilya Shapiro, agree with him or disagree with him. Read his law, law review articles, stuff he's written for Cato, et cetera. I guarantee you that it'll be provocative. And, and even if you disagree with him, you will learn something. And that's the entire point of learning. But people don't understand that anymore. The point of learning is to get into the echo chamber and have your feelings assuaged. And if your feelings aren't assuaged, there's a series of numbers to call. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't think they're going to need more. He just had eight numbers on the Colorado thing. So if if and (laughs) when they allow I think it was actually like 16. It really was a lot more. I only read eight. (laughs) But like, he's a cocky dude, but there's no way. And I haven't talked to him about this. And I I know that, uh, that uh, maybe he's a, he's a confident, funny guy. And, uh, and there's no way that he comes out of this without, you know, looking like, uh, what the, what's his name? George Michael in the, uh, in the, um, uh, in the Arrested Development, you know, doing little sad walk uh, uh, across the, uh, the 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 pavement. He's gonna. It's going to make the wind go out of the guy's sails, um, and understandably so. How would how would you feel if not only this is your welcome at a place, but you apologized? You took it down. You apologized. You you fell on your own sword, um, and this is how you were treated. And people that you've worked with or near for fifteen or twenty years looked around, saw which way the wind was blowing. Thought you could score a I'm against the racists point by throwing a person that you know under the bus? Really? Well, he was um, always that's got to feel like, like shit. I mean, it, it's even more sinister when you say like people who know him and have worked with him and the rest of it is that um, I don't fall. I don't. This is not my area. I don't. I mean, I read it, and but I would never comment at great length of what the the quality of Ilya's opinions on things. I know he's a smart guy, and I find him interesting to read. Um, but I know that also that people within his universe, um, find him to be too conservative rather than libertarian. Um, yeah. and so when that is the case, why not accuse him of racism? I mean, that's how fucked up we are at this point. It's like, let's pile on someone being called a, a racist because I've never really gotten on. I've gotten, I've never really gotten on with his opinions. His opinions and I don't, yeah. don't like each other very much. And rather than actually engaging those and debating those, I mean, all of these moments in American history of great intellectual ferment and debate. And, you know, the famous alcove one, alcove two, right? At at city university, the Stalinist versus the trots, those things. Um, Imagine if all those debates never happened because they just kept on shutting them down by calling each other racists. (laughs) It's like, you have a bad view. It's like, no, 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 let's just write a 85,000 word tedious article in partisan review. And then I'll write a, a 25 million word article in response um, you know, in dissent or something. I mean, it's at least the the, God, so the perhaps one silver lining of the misinformation uh, campaign is that it just at least put a different insult in there. I noticed this uh, after going on Bill Maher this past Friday of like people who want to argue with me online. It's sort of like Moynihan after he pushes his car in the driveway. You know, he's going to blow up at I'm someone. I'm so angry because of like, my the car is stuck in the snow. That's why uh, I'm angry. <laughs> and uh, but like. <laughs> 
people start arguing with you and it's also like you know a 13 year old like you could tell that this is just has to end with her yelling at you regardless if, if you're totally normal the entire way that's just like there's a physical thing at work um but people will do this and, and of course it infuriates them when you engage with them politely and answer yeah. their queries and and back up everything that you say and after two or three of those they will just say uh we'll stop spreading misinformation like right after you have painstakingly done nothing but hyperlink and show information and kept your head um it's it's an act of desperation at the end because that word has currency right now people just in the same way that science has this positive currency you're anti-science i'm gonna throw it against you misinformation is the same thing and it's glorious because it is getting ever uh more untethered from any actual complaint like it's it yeah. there isn't even a you got this thing wrong here's yeah. the link to the study that disproves it nope it's just misinformation. There you go. Yeah. Stop doing it. Yeah. I think Camille is with us. I wanted to uh, misinformed person here. <laughs> I wanted to, to, I wanted to quickly, um, cause we probably have to wrap soon. Um, wanted to quickly address some of the, the other Joe Rogan stuff that's percolating today. Cause this morning I saw a clip, um, actually a supercut of Joe Rogan using the dreaded, the word nigger. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a bunch uh, of what? specific context. Um, but the clips are just him saying the word nigga in different t-shirts and in different rooms across some indetermined, indeterminate period of time. We don't know when this happened. Could have all been the same day and he was just changing his t-shirt in some sort of ridiculous <laughs> exercise. Um, but, but we do know that at some point in the past, Joe Rogan has used the word nigga and nigger. He said it out loud like an adult human. Um, and one can presume that when he was saying it, he wasn't using it as a deliberate slur against anyone in particular. He wasn't describing someone as a nigger or a nigga. He was mm -hmm. probably just using the word. Otherwise, I imagine you would do more than just use a second of video. You'd use the whole incriminating thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what's happening. Instead, it's this is it. Look at this. Multiple clips of Joe Rogan saying the N word. Like, I mean, are you a toddler? This is who the right is defending. One, it's not, it's not just the right. No. Um, I'm not on the right. And, and someone I know on Twitter uh, tweets, this is exactly what I hear in my head when centrists and right wingers insist we observe a quote, use, mention, distinction on the N-word, again, the use of this ridiculous euphemism, um, which is fit only for children in my estimation, um, or in contexts where you're talking to children. That is also acceptable. And I said to this person, as I have said in many contexts, like the very first time Matt and I discussed this on, on television, where I'm using the word nigger uh, whole in segment. context, and every Six. single time I say it, Matt Welch winces. He winces. I shit you it's, not. It's real. He wasn't even on camera, and he's wincing. It, it, not, not, not even, it's not a flinch. It, it, it wince. <laughs> it's just a face crinkle. My whole body. His whole body. Yes. And it's we, not just me. Kennedy also. It, it, shame. And, and me too. It's ridiculous response. Yeah. I have to say that we adopted a dog when I was a kid who was a beauty. <laughs> and when you put your hand up, the dog would cower. You just put your hand up like you're going to get something off the shelf. The dog would be like, what? You're going to hit me. And that yes. is what happens to yes. us after this amount of time. This and is, this is, this is totally. I see my totally bank account go to zero. The second you say that word, <laughs> that's totally the appropriate, that's totally the appropriate analogy. Cause what I, what I said to this person was the utterance of a word in context, absent ill intent or bigoted connotation on the speaker's part. I cannot, me, Camille Foster, allow myself to find any offense in that. 
we can practice vulnerability, we can learn helplessness and feel genuine anguish in even benign contexts. But why would any sane adult make that choice? They're not sane adults. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had yeah. we had a protracted, well, an extended discussion about this. Who is and this? We made some some different points. Um, Doctor, I believe it's Mansa Kita. I don't know who he is. He's at R A R M A N S A on Twitter. So you can follow him if you're interested in in different perspectives. You probably know who this person is if if you're um, a regular on Twitter. Um, but we we follow one another. We talk. We DM'd on occasion. I have no reason to dislike him. I disagree with him mm-hmm. on some things, as yeah. I do with many people. And quite frankly, like when we have exchanges, I find that some of it is profitable. And at a minimum, it gives me an opportunity. To, to unpack my ideas in, <laughs> in a context where they're being pushed back against by someone who is articulate. Yes. And at least in the moment, I can't know that he's not being genuine and giving me his, his, his sincere thinking about this, which helps me access a perspective I don't have. And quite frankly, gives me better tools to help dismantle that perspective if I think it is wrong and harmful. And in this particular case, I do think it's wrong and harmful because the, the critical question to consider here is why on earth would I want to embrace that kind of vulnerability? He, he analogized someone using the, the N-word to, to someone spitting at them and perhaps missing and him still feeling somewhat aggrieved. Um, and I think that, you know, that's an interesting analogy, but I think it matters if someone is spitting at you and misses or if they spit in your general direction and misses and that we have to be curious about the distinction between those two things. And if we aren't curious about it, it seems to me that there is, in fact, always the possibility of overreacting, of being hysterical in a way that is unhealthy and counterproductive. And if we acknowledge that that is true, then one has to ask the question, like, what does it look like in a world where the overreaction and the hysteria has kind of taken control. I think it looks like the world we live in. I think it looks like the world where you get fucking fired Mm -hmm. for using the word niggardly when people are afraid because they hear someone use the word nigga in, in, in a different language and they understand that it's actually Chinese, but they pretend they behave as though hysterically it is some sort of slur that's meant to wound black people. It could be that a bunch of people actually genuinely feel sad about this, that when they when they wince, when they flinch, when they have their body spasms because they hear me utter the word nigger or nigga, that it's real, it's genuine, but it is still practiced, learned helplessness. It is a learned response that can be unlearned. And like someone who's suffered some sort of sexual trauma, when they get married to someone who loves and cares about them, they're in a relationship that is healthy, it is very bad for them and their loved one, and probably other people in their lives, if they are never able to overcome the trauma that they experienced so that they can actually experience love. Full stop. I'm done. It's immense. It's, it, and it's a very good point. Very well articulated. And it's, it's, um, did you just call me articulate? No, I actually think sure you're um, a moron, but I was yeah. just trying to figure that out because I'm afraid of calling you a moron because that might be racist. But apparently being calling you articulate is also racist. So I'm just going to give up and call you yes. nothing. Um, well, you didn't call me clean, so I suppose yeah, it's Well, fine. you're not. You look like you need a bath. Um, no, no it's, it is so odd because if you consider Joe Rogan, the complaint about him and his podcast is that they're interminable, right? It's like mm. watching the sorrow and the pity. It's like four hours long. And he's been doing this for what, 14 years, something like that, 13, 14 years, um, pretty regularly. 
And if you add up all that stuff, that's a lot of time on the radio. And you're talking to a lot of people who are engaging in the culture wars, which is something you did, I think, you know, not at the beginning of the podcast, you know, probably in the middle of the podcast where it kind of was getting hot and that was becoming the issues people were talking about on the internet. And to not discuss that and have that not come up, it's also the instinct to go and try to find it. Somebody's going and like, give me all the transcripts. I'm going to find him saying these words. I mean, that's a lot of effort. To make mm-hmm. uh, to try to stop the menace of, of Joe Rogan, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a bizarre subjecting instinct. yourself to actual harm. Yeah, well, bravely, it, but it, bravely watching his show. Well, what happens <laughs> too when you go back and, and how do we punish people historically? That's the mm. thing that people don't really care much about because when we talk about slavery, for instance, and we talk about the the kind of moral outrages of the past, we Try not to give them any context today because that's, that's why, why would we do that? We just want to point out that it's a moral outrage because I was, I think, you know, I'm going to say this and if I'm wrong, I think people will tell me, but I think I was watching the great, uh, Jiminy Click, uh, the Martin Short, uh, character. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. And it was like an old one. And I think it was Jason Alexander that was on. We used to do this like fake talk show. And, uh, uh, I think it was Jason Alexander on Jiminy Click. I, I might be wrong, but he's, I think he said the word retard. And it was like Jason Alexander, like he wasn't in character. He was like, well, kind of in character, but uh, you know, he would never say that now. He just wouldn't. I yeah. know that he wouldn't say it now, but he would say I mean, it then, we, right? We said it at the beginning of this podcast and yeah, I, don't say it I mean, much look, anymore. The thing, things change and you know, you adjust not so much because you agree with it, but because you just don't want the hassle, right? But this, this is what happens. Like, does Joe Rogan in 2013, 2014, 2016, 17 even, know that there is a prohibition on uttering the magic word even in context? Because I think that everyone thinks the context is going to save them, right? Because, I mean, you can find, I saw, I saw something the other day where someone, someone said the magic word. God, what was it? I was watching some... Something and someone said it in context and not in a, um, oh, and you showed Hitchens uh, talking about it on MSNBC. Mm, that mm-hmm. did not create a firestorm online, I imagine. Mm-hmm. It just kind of mm-hmm. came and went because everyone knew that he was talking about bad words. And he had a column that was of uh, commensurate outrage about, you know, these are shitty, stupid words, but here's, here's the problem with banning them, that kind of thing. I just find it, it all very think- odd. Context doesn't matter. And I'll tell you a good, good example of this. Uh, today, I saw a number of people, Matt Iglesias, a couple other people, uh, attacking, uh, what's, the, what's the girl who did the bad news book? Bat, Batyan Sagar. Uh, Batya yeah, Sagar Urgon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What she, are they attacking her for? Uh, so she was like, I don't care about this. It was a protest in Canada, right? So this the trucker protest and other people have joined to Ottawa against vaccine mandates. And people are like, they are flying Nazi flags. They're flying swastikas <laughs> at this thing. And you know what it is? Exactly what I thought it was. As I said this to you, Camille, when somebody says, celebrity uh-huh. said N-word. Oh, they were singing a rap song? Yep, always. It, this is like, <laughs> somebody was flying a swastika flag. Okay, I guarantee you uh-huh. it was, and then I look it up, one person with yes. a Canadian flag made into a swastika because they're accusing the government of being Nazis. Being Nazis. They're not right. saying we love Nazis, yeah. right? And no, so that they, hate, they hate Nazis. Yeah. They're my worst the enemy. Thing. They're like the Nazis. <laughs> and it's funny, in the, in, the same, uh, in the same breath, there was all this uh, coverage of, um, in Orlando, some Nazis protested. You probably saw this. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of like, you know, why is this That's not so. getting this? I didn't and, even see it. There were like 13 people there. And they were like <laughs> literally these 600 pound 
Mother, and like, you know, it's so funny to watch them. They're driving, they're driving by <laughs> with their cameras and, and you can tell like how like, like mentally slow they are and like how they mm-hmm. really love just getting people mad because they, people drive by and they start saluting like the Nazis. Like, who are you saluting? Is that Hitler? <laughs> the Nazis didn't salute their enemies. They saluted the Fuhrer. What are you doing? Who are you saluting? They're like, no, no, look at I'm, one of them. I'm a bad guy. Look at me. Like, Fucking losers. And like, we need to cover this more because this is a, somebody, some blue checkmark person that I know was like Weimar America. I'm like, what? Because like 13 people are about to collapse a bridge under their fatness because within Nazis flags. Come on. Grow up. Yeah, the, uh, uh, dumb people the, are dumb uh, people. The it, it's the, uh, Utter disinterest in the chameleon context, actually. Yeah. I mean, the person who's putting together that supercut of Joe Rogan doesn't want the context. No. It's it's an anti-context, as is the uh, the trucker march. It, it's so much easier to show one thing, one single Nazi flag on a pretty large and significant trucker protest against a policy that is rightly controversial. And I'm virtually against it. Yeah. Why should truckers have to have a vaccine if they don't want one they're driving a fucking truck <laughs> they're not they're not in a small school building they're not taking care of 79 year old people with comorbidities they are literally fucking driving a truck yeah. why mm-hmm. are we mandating that they have a vaccine and then wondering why there's supply chain problems so they're doing this but it's so much easier to 85 percent of our vax too by the way according to the trucker like lobby in uh, in canada so uh, but still would put sixteen thousand people out of a job they said you can get a single flag and dismiss a single protest. The thing that's insane to me is that there are so many people who consider themselves and, and have their paycheck determined by journalism who are cheering this on. Yeah. Anti-contextual journalists attempting to demonize an entire sector of people through a single contextless thing that actually meant the opposite of what you'd expect. And then piling on any journalist, if, especially if they're conservative like Pache's or uh, conservative leaning, um, who uh, points out that that's crap. Um, that's what the, and that's it. There is, and the, yeah. this, it, there is a confederate flag there, too, which everyone pointed out, which I'm just confused by, like why why are you carrying a confederate flag in ottawa i just don't get that so somebody's going to show up and is going to have that and and maybe that person because i'm going to assume that person probably is a racist you know why i'm going to assume they're probably a racist because what the fuck does a confederate flag uh, have to do a, a you know we seceded because of slavery have to do with truckers in canada you probably that's a weird one you're trying to in, 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 you know i'm going to assume dollars is going to i'm going to bet on it right the yeah. thing about it is that's one person that had that flag and yeah, make fun of them. Make fun. But there's a bigger issue here. And, and these people are just trying to avoid having a conversation about a bigger issue by dismissing everybody. I promise you, I would not dismiss a Bernie Sanders rally. If somebody was flying a, like a, a Soviet flag or something, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'd just be like, no, it makes a certain <laughs> amount of sense considering it took us a honeymoon there, but it'd be stupid to not engage with the ideas and the popularity of Bernie Sanders because of some lunkhead, you know, flying a, uh, you know, a, a Maoist uh, flag or something or a p- picture of going around carrying a picture of Chairman Mao and not making it with anyone. Anyhow. Um, I saw a uh, Confederate flag at an anti Milosevic protest in Belgrade in 1996, 97 oh. in the winter there. Yeah. Um, and I went and asked the dude, like, what, what's up with this flag? And he's like, oh, this flag, 
This is uh, this is flag of my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I love Dukes of Hazard. You know, it's great. They jump all the jumps with horse uh, hogs. Most this likely, Daisy's Dukes. Daisy's Dukes. <laughs> most oh, likely, it hope was this that. Is all of Serbia, Daisy's Dukes. Oh. <laughs> what the hot babe she is, my friend. Uh, oh, I like when uh, Tom Wopat is. He's my favorite. Big star, <laughs> big star in Belgrade. And then he quit, and they bring the cousins in Coy and Vance. Uh, <laughs> you remember Coy and Vance? Not very big. That here. is so crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Contrast that crazy that, that happened. Yeah, oh, actually, gosh. like Cooter, the best. A Cooter. <laughs> a uh, he was a uh, a uh, Democratic congressman. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Liberal, liberal Democrat. Uh, shouldn't we use it? Shouldn't we say Dixiecrat? Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think he was a Democrat of the Dixiecrat Just variety. Good old boys. Is that song actually because the the General Lee had the no Confederate harm. flag on the roof? Is it racist for me to sing that song? Probably. I don't think it should. Good old boys, never mean no harm. Is that a Waylon Jennings song? Isn't that Waylon Jennings? I don't know. Is it? I think so. It sounds it? like it. But yeah, that's oh. it's not shown anymore. I don't think it's an incendication. Anymore. Yeah, you, you probably can't. You can't. You can't watch that anyplace. All right. Well, such, uh, such a good show. You know what you you know what you can watch if you go to YouTube. You can Google "Boom Bye Bye" and you will find um, Buju Bantan's um, "Ode to Murdering Gay People." You can <laughs> wow. find that and you can watch it. Uh, the lyrics of that song is are "Boom Bye Bye" in a Bati Boy Ed. Is it on Spotify? Those are the, the opening lyrics. You know what I suspect it probably is. You know what else is on Spotify? Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby's comedy specials. They're funny. Then I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is on Spotify? Drink to drink. Eddie Murphy's classic hits. Oh my God. That first record. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. How about that? Actually, the second Come one, on. too. Come on. Um, Raw, when he has Where the whole San end? Francisco bit, is like, Jesus. Which one is he do the, do the Chinaman thing? Because that's really uh, the first good. one. When he talks about yeah. going to the Chinese restaurant, by the way, which is completely ripped off from Richard Pryor, who did a hilarious, hilarious bit in the same way in the Chinese accent in, I think, 1977 or 78. But, um, you know, it's, you, I probably can't even name the name of Richard Pryor's albums, right? That person of color is crazy, which is the, uh, <laughs> the name of his most famous album. I no, that's not what, that's not what he means by the word. This this no, is the way that means the euphemisms, yeah. the euphemisms, and our refusal to engage with language in an honest adult way, like actually causes problems. It creates confusion. That's not what he means by the word. No, we've actually he made something back else, to its it original horrible meaning. <laughs> it's like the, worse. It's, it's like the horrible <laughs> meaning is like we're going to take this back and then we're going to yeah. like neuter it. Like now it's like we got to take it back to what it was and make it really really dangerous again to even say in any context like Joe Rogan or like performative, performative justice, yeah. performative justice. And, and what it actually does is inculcate vulnerability. It makes us worse off. What, it makes us, it makes us incurious. It makes us get to the point where we're unwilling to consider the context and the circumstance where we can only be governed by convention, which is actually worse. I had someone say in response to that, that tweet that I read a moment ago um, that, uh, well, Camille, I can understand one time him using that word in context with no ill intent, but, but two times, three <laughs> times, that's just too much. No, 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 no. When you have an arbitrary threshold for the number of times I can use a word in a totally innocuous way, and I pass your ridiculous arbitrary threshold, that makes your concern more ridiculous. <laughs> it makes it more ridiculous because it's governed by, but no, 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 that's four. That's too many. <laughs> that's too many, too many. Yeah. that's too many that makes you a racist totally. if you care about racism like 
actually using this ridiculous elastic definition mm-hmm. of racism is worse. It degrades the most severe iterations of racism for us to actually have everything in the universe be potentially racist based on who said it, not why they said it or how and what context, just who said it, Mm -hmm. what do they look like? Mm -hmm. And not even what they look like. Are we following the one drop rule here, which is what you people are doing? It's obscene. The last guest I think Rogan had on his podcast before he went to uh, Spotify, because I it it was in the podcast feed. For, and it was like sitting there because it, you know, they took it off the feeds and made it exclusively uh, Spotify. Was the uh, was somebody that I uh, got for a very brief period of time to be a columnist advice uh, back in the day uh, was the great Willie D from the Ghetto Boys. And I wonder I if know. all these guests, um, if they were played that, like outside of the Twitter world, if w- Willie D was played that, it'd be like, uh huh, he's probably quoting some Ghetto Boys songs. Like, what are you talking about? I don't think anyone reacts to that in that way. Of like saying like, particularly if you took all those sentences in which he was saying these things, I just don't think people honestly have an issue beyond being afraid of mistakenly saying something when you are reading a book, right? So this idea that Mouse is being taken out of school, the Art Spiegelman um, uh, comic, uh, which this shouldn't be done. It's ridiculous. Um, And then you have people who are up in arms and saying, this is, you know, we're trundling towards fascism ourselves. And then you ask them if they can want to read Huckleberry Finn. Oh, no, no, they, then we forbid them from reading. Yeah, because it, it will make people and, make and people to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, kill was a mockingbird. A, that was another one that you sent recently. Where was that? Oh my god, um, I I don't even remember Washington what school. It's a, per, um, it's a perennial. It, it's a perennial. It comes yeah, up yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah. But this, but but the way in which this came up is different. Mm-hmm. The way in which this came up is different. Which is why when I sent it to you guys, I was like, you have to watch this video. That's why um, I didn't. If, if you watch <laughs> if you watch the video, I almost want to I almost want to place no. the audio like in here, but I want you guys to hear this because you didn't listen. So I'll just I'll play it into my microphone and maybe we'll, we'll yeah. I did, you sent when I was driving, easy. so during a snowstorm. Okay, so, so. so let me let me play was, this audio. I was washing my cat. Yeah, yeah. Because it's because it's call because it? it's monstrous. Move the book to kill a mockingbird from their required curriculum for the ninth grade. But the Harper Lee book stays on the district's approved novel list. So tonight, the Mukilteo school board heard comments from those who supported removing the novel from the required curriculum. The use of the N-word within the text, like To Kill a Mockingbird, written by a white author, lacks the cultural lens to accurately present the lived experience of racism by the marginalized. Babble. Then placed in the hands of teachers who lack that same knowledge does nothing but reinforce the concept of racism. Nothing. That woman is absolutely crazy. Wait, Harper? That standard is unbelievable. She's accusing Harper Lee of- Is what they're saying. Reinforcing racism with To Kill a Mockingbird? The accusation isn't even even that specific. It it appears, or even isn't even that clear, but what it appears to be is he's too white to write about black characters and to think and write- Sorry, sorry, sorry. To, to think and write, yeah. well, they, them, I they, think, they, yeah. um, but to think and write the word nigger, like that can only perpetuate racism. Yeah. It's completely insane. It makes no sense. The only people capable of doing that are marginalized persons. Again, here is the race essentialism, because people are always curious about this. To be black is to be marginalized. Full stop. It doesn't matter who you are, or what your background is, or what your actual lived experience is. You could be LeBron James. You are marginalized. It's an obscene perspective. 
And if it was actually carried out in any sort of consistent way, fucking Denzel Washington could not play Macbeth in Hamlet's Macbeth. He couldn't do it because how could he possibly understand or communicate the lived experience of someone who was supposed to be, what is Macbeth said in like the, the, the 16th century or something? He couldn't do it. The specific deprivations that they suffered, Denzel can't connect to that. And he certainly can't help you understand it. All we can do is perpetuate, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever the hell we would call it, but it's all the same. And we could see the same thing in, in, um, fucking, uh, 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 milk. Yeah. Sean Penn can't play Harvey Milk. No. Because how could he possibly know? No, he's not, he's in the imagination game, the, whoever, who is the guy who played, um, in the imagination game who played, uh, uh Arthur Turin? Uh, who, Alan Turing. Yeah, Bennett, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, getting, you're getting a lot of mixed first names wrong. I'm, you know what? All y'all, all y'all names sound the same. That's what it is. <laughs> you can't live my experience as a white person who's not a scientist. I mean, are you kidding me? You, you, you're not a, a, a gay scientist mm-hmm. who is eventually discovered to have been gay after having saved us yeah. <laughs> or saved saved the UK. Let's say. From um from the the Nazis during World War II and invented modern computing yeah. created the world that we lived in and his his punishment for that it was Ben it was reward. Benedict Cumberbatch by the way which is a yes, very there it is name, boom by the way. and it's and it's a great it's a great <laughs> remarkable film that apparently should not have been made because it is a pernicious film that can only perpetuate homosexuality according to that absurd obscene I'll say standard articulated by someone who is supposed to be educating children and this is the thing about these CRT bands goddammit. there is no band strong enough mm-hmm. to deprive that woman of her ugly pernicious ideas if you believe those ideas are ugly and pernicious you're passing bands and they are going to be ineffectual you can't stop her mm. not like that you have to make it culturally unacceptable to believe such things or to to even speak such thoughts aloud you have to and the only way you can do that is by contending with the ideas the only way you can do that zaid is by fighting for the culture. Mm. It matters. It's, it is the medium in which our institutions exist and in which we live our lives. That is what the culture is. And, you, and if you ignore that, you ignore it at your peril. And if in ignoring it, you support and endorse dishonest people who prosecute sort of personally aggrandizing campaigns that look more like political stunts than anything else, um, I submit to you that you're probably being far less effective than you imagine. You're doing something, anything, uh, but that doesn't mean it's helpful. There's uh, um, one of the things that this um, a school board member said in, in, I guess it's in Seattle or around Seattle, was that Atticus Finch should not be celebrated. Because <laughs> Atticus Finch worked in this within the system of racism and was too tolerant mm. of racism, you know, at that yes. time. Because, you know, yes. I mean, it is important in, uh, you know, 1955 – to be mm-hmm. uh, Ibram X. Kendi, that's going to win everybody over. That's the way of doing it. I'm just telling you, if we could go back in time and just really alienate everybody yes. with these ideas um, and not do it sort of the, the kind of gradualism, that's not, we can't, we have to look back on that. But the funny thing about it is that this is the type of literary criticism. The guy's name is John Gahagan. And the type of literary criticism mm. you're getting here is somebody who looked at Wikipedia. Because I was wondering where that came from. And if you look at Wikipedia, there is a reference to a person who wrote a, a, a law article in 1992 saying that Atticus Finch is not a role model because he existed in the framework of racism, blah, 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 which um, produced a flurry of angry responses of people who said, I became a lawyer because of, because of Atticus Finch. And I you know, abhor racism 
in part because of this part of my education, which I don't know that people walk away from that book being racist. That's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Strange choice. It's a very, very strange choice. I read The Diary no, that's, of Anne that's Frank, what Huck Finn, and I was like, Huck Finn I am going to join the Nazi party. <laughs> this is, we have to get these people out of here. Like, who, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with these people? It's so bizarre. But also, they tend, like, when you're uh, writing law review articles, it says, you know, Atticus Finch had the wrong view of working within the system. You have to stop and say, you do know Atticus Finch is not a real person. Right? <laughs> it was a novel that somebody wrote. And they created a character with some complexity. You want a superhero. Go write a comic book. That's what you want. Because <laughs> you have somebody that has a complex series of views and watch it in the film if you have to. Read it in the book. We all read the book when we were younger, but if you don't want to go back to that, it's too much time. Go, uh, what is it, Gregory Peck in the film. Yeah. Um, and how that unfolds. And you will see that this probably did more to create, quote unquote, anti-racists in this country than anything mm. half of these fucking bozos that are trying to ban this stuff have ever done. All they do oh, is man. alienate people. And this is something that was like Harper Lee did an amazing job in that. Is it a perfect novel? Well, I wouldn't say it's a perfect novel, but I wouldn't say it's a perfect novel because of politics. That's not why. There's some things like, no, you can judge a novel. And, but to, if you look at this, I mean, this is the, the, the category error for everybody who does this kind of bullshit literary criticism of mistaking the author's views with the character's views. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But if you write mm -hmm. a main character who is a complicated person, you're like, well, that person is probably also that character. That's not true. That's simply not true. Because if that is true, you're writing one novel. Because you can't write the novel that's you the whole time. You can't forever write that novel. But, you know, that's what people think because they've been completely blinded by and poisoned by this type of politics. I mean, if you think it's just the PMRC, you know, in the 1980s saying, stick the warning labels on. Well, no, now we're going to mm -hmm. stick a warning label on Joe Rogan and saying what you hear here might not be exactly as it seems. Because this yes. is a conversation in which some people might say things that aren't true. Which is, I'm looking for warning labels in front of everything on Fox, Every, MSNBC, absolutely everything. CNN, everything. you know, yeah. Justice Sotomayor, um, 150,000 kids have, you know, are legless in uh, hospitals because of COVID. Um, and somebody said, well, it wasn't a legal opinion. She was speaking off the cuff. It's like, yeah, no, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's, it's still not That's true. the thing, is that people get things wrong. And I don't actually hate her for that. You make mistakes. I no, don't. I, so right. what? Okay. It's no, wrong. She's and a wise she, Latina justice. We celebrate her for that. Yeah, I think she, <laughs> I think she <laughs> corrected it too. So you know, good on her. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is everybody sucks and everybody should fuck fuck off. So I got a thing in 15 minutes that I have to run to. Um, I should correct one thing. There, there at a minimum has been one error and it was uttered by me today. Oh my God. Um, I did suggest that Joe Biden, Joe Biden was suggesting that his litmus test required a smooth brown vagina and mm -hmm. i have to say there is there is no requirement about smoothness mm -hmm. in any of his statements i i conflated my own personal preferences <laughs> with joe biden's mm -hmm. edicts yeah. um about the quality yes. of his justice who would be someone mm -hmm. who is very smart probably a lawyer mm -hmm. probably has some experience in True. the courts but would definitely definitely possess genitalia that look a particular way yeah um, which so again, you're saying that he's someone, not gonna, like, someone is going to have to yeah. check. That's all I'm saying. I, Someone's going to have to check. Yes. I think it's that is an Joe. important correction because people might listen to this podcast because <laughs> they're all morons and might come away with the idea that he's going to pick Patty LaBelle. 
but you're actually saying <laughs> they actually have to have a legal background and they will probably be smart. But that's, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. But, but look, and we're not saying that Patty LaBelle isn't smart. Oh, she's amazing. I, I suspect, yeah. I suspect Patty LaBelle with mm-hmm. her experience in, in both music mm-hmm. and, and her culinary experience, yes. which is, which is superb yeah. and, and very important and noteworthy. Yeah. I think she'd make a great Supreme Court justice. Dude, that she's pretty much, in, she's a natural law type. From what that I would be so fucking that. great if Joe Biden came out and he's like, I had a big friend. It's, it's uh, Dion Warwick. We're going to go a little different direction. Dion, Dion Warwick's going to come out. He's going to be the best. He's going to be great. Oh, she my God. Supreme Court. That'd be so good. Dion <laughs> Warwick's a Mary J. Boy. <laughs> mm. What's, it, what's the 411? <laughs> this isn't how it was supposed to be. <laughs> I think we have determined Once in these last five again. minutes. That this is indeed uh-huh. not a wide release. So yeah, 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 no, 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 no. I, I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. Yeah. Wide release. Wide release. I think we should unlock this particular episode of the Patreon, but not all of them. Not all of them. We're not going to do this all the time. This is just, if you're not paying, my friends, this is what you're missing. And we'll be fine. I mean, I, I can't be canceled. doesn't matter. I don't care. I said, I say what I want to say. What about, and, and what the, about the, the other two guys and, that you do the show with? No, y'all be fine. Y'all be fine. Y'all ain't say nothing bad. Y'all, look here, here. We'll just make sure. We'll make sure. Let me check. I'm watching you guys on the video. Here it comes. Uh-uh. Here it comes. Oh, no. Let's see, nigga. Bye. I'm fine. They winced. Bye. It's fine. It's actually a little shrug. <laughs> just a little shrug. It's fine. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods. Yeah, we're going to do another we're, we're brief back. addendum. Brief addendum. Brief addendum. Okay. So Elia Shapiro just he just tweeted something two minutes ago. <sighs> Statement on my starting at Georgetown Law tomorrow, but immediately being placed on paid. Non-punitive administrative leave pending investigation for my tweets. He's getting a paid vacation, ladies and gentlemen. Here's yeah. the here's the here's the message. I'm optimistic that Georgetown's investigation will be fair, impartial, and professional, though there's really not much to investigate. And I'm confident that it will reach the only reasonable conclusion. My tweet didn't violate any university rules or policies and indeed is protected by Georgetown's policies and free expression of on free expression. Accordingly, I expect to be vindicated and look forward to joining my new colleagues in short order. Mm. Bitch, don't sue me. It's yeah. weird. Fuck all y'all. It's weird, but it's a victory of sorts. Of sorts. Let's see if it. Let's see if it holds. I hope he's right. <sighs> okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.